Well, Gonzaga has a massive opportunity to pick up a victory over a top five team on Saturday morning against Nate Oates and the Crimson Tide, but can they handle Alabama's phenomenal freshman? You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Thatton, here to take you through another season of Gonzaga hoops. Today, we are talking Gonzaga, Alabama, the big one, Saturday morning, 10 a.m., a tremendous slate of college basketball games for anybody who hasn't taken a peek at what games are going on on Saturday. Hopefully, you can get cozy and watch a lot of hoops because, boy, howdy, is there a lot of fun hoops to watch. But, of course, we're starting the morning, for those of us on the West Coast at least, with some Zags Bama. This is going to be a very fun one, December 17th, 10 a.m., being played at the Legacy Arena in Birmingham, Alabama. It's the second leg of a quote-unquote home-and-home between Gonzaga and Alabama last year. Of course, these two teams played in Seattle at the new Climate Pledge Arena uh, in downtown Seattle, replacing Key Arena. The Zags, of course, fell in that game. It was their second loss of the season, a bit of a surprising one uh, in a contest where the Zags were favored in that one. But Alabama did a really good job of neutralizing Drew Timmy. It seemed like the staff hadn't really figured out how to implement Chet Holmgren into the offense yet. They kind of stagnated down the stretch and unfortunately fell in that one. And this one is going to be it's going to be a challenge. Obviously, Gonzaga hasn't been uh, quite at the level that many people had hoped to see them be, whereas Alabama has risen from a team, you know, in the late 20s, kind of borderline top 25 team to begin the year uh, to now being a top five team in the entire country. Uh, Before we get into the Crimson Tide, I want to comment on the the home and home series. Uh, Obviously, there's been a lot of kind of conversation around those types of series, notably with John Calipari and the Kentucky Wildcats. Uh, I love this kind of series where both teams agree, you know, ahead of time, hey, we're going to play each other and we're going to travel to play each other, but we're both going to play in, in different arenas. So for, for Gonzaga, of course, they played five hours away from Spokane in Seattle. Uh, this game is in Birmingham. It's at the Legacy Arena. It is an hour away from Alabama's campus. I don't care that the distance is not equal. That doesn't really matter to me. The point is both these teams are playing games in their state or nearby uh, their campus without being right on campus. I think it's a, it's a nice opportunity for both these teams to, to get a chance to play each other and get different fans into the arena. So I'm all for this. Uh, of course, if Gonzaga and Alabama want to re-up the series, I wouldn't hate if they played at each other's home courts for the next uh, next round of the series. But uh, for now, this kind of event is great, and I'm happy to Zags get a chance to play a team as good as Alabama, especially right now, because this, this is a huge opportunity for Gonzaga after Falling out of the top five, falling out of the top two, uh, you know, being in the 15, 20 range or 15th right now, a victory over Alabama is huge. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy at all. This is a very, very good Alabama team. They are nine and one on the season. Their only losses to number three crate, or excuse me, UConn, number three UConn only loss of the season, hence why they are ranked fourth in the country right now. They also have a unique, unique record that they said earlier this week, or last week, I should say, with a uh, win over Houston. 
They defeated North Carolina in the Phil Knight Invitational, that ridiculous four-overtime game, 103-102 for the Crimson Tide. A few weeks later, they defeat Houston. That makes them the first team to defeat two number one ranked opponents before January since the 1965-1966 Duke Blue Devils. That is the last time a team has defeated two number one teams before January. So a really nice start to the season for NATO to squad. If you didn't watch that Houston game, Houston was up 15 in the second half. Alabama came all the way back, crawled back to a victory on the strength of their offense uh, and really their defense in a lot of ways. This is what makes this team so scary. They are 10th right now in the Ken Palm rankings. So of course, ranked fourth in the country by the AP poll, 10th in Ken Palm, but they are very, very balanced. They have the 16th most efficient offense per Ken Palm and the 15th most efficient defense. So that uh, just kind of tells you how they can really beat you multiple different ways to compare this to Gonzaga. Again, Alabama's 10th in Ken Palm, Gonzaga's 12th. So it is a very, very close matchup between two similarly ranked teams per the Ken Palm algorithms. The offense for Alabama is 16th, Gonzaga's is 4th, so in theory an advantage there, but of course the biggest difference here is that Ken Palm has Alabama's defense 15th and it has Gonzaga's defense 41st, so that is going to be an area of need for Gonzaga, their need to shore stuff up defensively. They have looked better the last couple of games on the defensive end of the floor, but part of that could be opponent quality. We will see what they look like here. The big matchup, the big issue is going to be superstar freshman Brandon Miller. He is a matchup nightmare. 6'9", 220, averaging 18.5 points a game, 8.5 rebounds per game, also chips in two assists and a block. He's playing about 34 minutes per night, so he is all over the floor all of the time. He's always out there. He's always scoring. He's a great rebounder at 6'9", 220. He's going to be a tough, tough matchup for the Zags. Now, he's not an incredibly efficient shooter, at least not – around the rim he's shooting less than 40 percent from the field but he is a 43 and a half percent shooter from deep so again talking about stretching the defense creating matchup situations that are difficult this is a true freshman one of the best freshmen in the entire country in brandon miller and i think he's going to be a load for gonzaga to handle of course alabama has more than just brandon miller they are not a single run team Nate Oates has done a fantastic job of adding players via the via high school recruiting, most notably, but uh, they made a huge addition in the transfer portal as well. That was Ohio transfer point guard Mark Sears. Mark Sears has been a really big, critical piece for a team that plays four freshmen as consistently as Alabama does. To have a veteran point guard who can really slow things down and facilitate the offense and, and knock down open shots when given the opportunity has been a really nice boon for Alabama. Mark Sears has been that guy 50 points he's shooting 44 percent from deep uh, again we kind of mentioned that they're playing a lot of freshmen on this team uh, in addition to Brandon Miller Noah Clowney has been fantastic as a true freshman big he's averaging about nine and a half points and also eight and a half rebounds per game and then you have Jaden Bradley Jaden Bradley's coming in eight and a half points 3.2 rebounds and 3.2 assists so couple of really, really important high-impact freshmen for this team, a really impact transfer in Mark Sears. And then they, re they return a couple of players from last year, a couple of guys who really hurt the Zags. It's Charles Bediaco down low in the block. He had a really good game defending Drew Timmy. He was a true freshman last year and really helped shut down Drew Timmy. Uh, and then Javon Quinterly is returning as well. Team averages 83 points per game. There's a reason their offense is rated so highly. Uh, they also shoot 35% from deep, so... 
that's going to be a big issue for the for the Gonzaga Bulldogs is not only defending Brandon Miller, not only crashing the glass, but also defending the perimeter, not letting Alabama get open looks from deep. Doing all of that in the same game is tough. It's a tough assignment, especially for a team that hasn't quite found their defensive identity just yet. But that's kind of what you need to do. You can't give Alabama too many open looks here. You can't resist crashing the glass. You've got to be energetic on offense you got to be energetic on defense you got to be guarding the perimeter is going to be a tough team now the good news or at least potentially some good news Alabama has turnover issues same issues that Gonzaga has had throughout the season Alabama turns the ball over over 16 times per game I think they're averaging 16 and a half turnovers per game their most recent game was against Memphis a very good Memphis team that almost certainly should be ranked and likely will be ranked by the time the next AP poll comes around on Monday Uh, Memphis only lost this game by three in part because they turned over Alabama a whole bunch of times if Gonzaga can find ways to create turnover and get out in transition that could help them stay close in this game we'll talk more about that in the second segment, as we look at what I'm going to be watching for in this game, we know the Zags are going to have their hands full with Brandon Miller. We know the Bama's tenacity on the board is going to be an issue. So let's hear exactly what this team needs to do to leave Birmingham with the victory. But first, you're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you start thinking of calling for a ride. Now you live nearby. You can make it home, okay? It's not a big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Everyone knows the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. All right, segment two, still Andy Patton, still Locked On Zags. I want to sincerely thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. For your second listen today, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. All right, segment two, like I said, we are doing five keys to victory for the Gonzaga Bulldogs against the Alabama Crimson Tide on Saturday morning. Uh, This is a a segment we've been doing throughout the season. Sometimes it's just five keys to watch in the game, depending on how concerned we are about the outcome in this one. Of course, Gonzaga is going to have their hands full with Alabama, so we're going to kind of talk about what they need to do in order to come out of Birmingham with the victory. Number one, Swarm Brandon Miller. To me, I think you have to make somebody else on Alabama beat you. If you let Brandon Miller score 20 points, grab 10 to 12 rebounds, have an efficient night from the field, you're kind of asking for a loss. You have to stop Brandon Miller. It is not an easy thing to do. Houston was able to successfully do it for the most part. Uh, Alabama still won that game, and it's also worth pointing out that Houston is like the best defensive team in the entire country, or at least one of the very best defensive teams in the country. So really, really tough ask for Gonzaga. The biggest thing here, it's going to come down to Anton Watson. When you look at this team and you look up the matchups and how how to figure out what you want to do defensively, you're not going to put Drew Timmy on Brandon Miller. He's not 
athletic enough to handle him. He's, it puts him in the risk of getting into foul trouble. I just don't think that that makes sense. Timmy's going to be handling Charles Bediaco for the most part. Uh, Julian Strother could probably do it, but I like Watson's. He's got a little bit more size, about an inch taller, a little bit bigger, uh, and into a better defensive player. That's more his skill set as a basketball player for Anton is on the defensive end of the floor. I think you put Anton on Brandon Miller and you just tell him, like, you're not, you're not a help defender today. You're not uh, a switch defender today. You are guarding Brandon Miller today. That is what you are doing. The Zags have done this before. We have seen it as effectively a box-and-one style defense. I have distinct memories of Gonzaga doing it against Jamari Bouye at San Francisco last year, where Rasir Bolton was not playing any other defense other than guarding Jamari Bouye. I remember all the way back in the NCAA tournament when it was in Seattle, and I attended those games, and Gary Bell was guarding a guard from North Dakota State, whose name I don't remember, but he was their best player by a landslide, and Gary just was right in his face the entire game. That's what we need to do with Brandon Miller. It sucks to take Anton Watson out of any other defensive rotations because of his skill set in that regard. But I think that the best thing Gonzaga can do is swarm Brandon Miller, be all over him. Don't let him get open looks from three. Don't let him get abilities to to crash the boards easily. Uh, If Watson can play 30-plus minutes, avoid foul trouble, play good defense on Brandon Miller, that is the best thing he can do to help this team win this one. Next up, we already alluded to it a handful of times, crashing the glass. Alabama's a really, really good rebounding team. If you give them opportunities to get offensive rebounds and second chance points, it is going to be really hard to secure a victory. Giving Alabama second chance opportunities is pretty much a guaranteed loss. The Zags are going to need to aggressively crash the defensive glass. I think it's going to keep the Zags out of transition, but Gonzaga has made that trade-off already this season. We saw it against Purdue. We saw it against Xavier. Gonzaga was so aggressive at pursuing defensive rebounds. They sent everybody to crash the glass, which means that you do not have guys streaking down the court for potential fast break opportunities. Gonzaga could do that last year because Andrew Nemhard was such a maestro at getting things going in transition and Chet Holmgren was such a machine cleaning up the defensive rebounds that you could have a few guys kind of cheat out and get going in transition. Rasir Bolton got a lot of his points that way. Uh, The hope was that that would be the case again this year, potentially with him, potentially with Malachi Smith or even Hunter Salas. And unfortunately, it hasn't hasn't been the case just because Gonzaga can't be relied upon to just soak up all of those defensive rebounds. Julian Strother is going to be need to sent to, to clean up the glass. Drew Timmy, of course, Anton Watson, of course, all going to need to have big games on the boards. Uh, I'm okay with Gonzaga being pulled out of transition if it helps avoid giving Alabama easy second chance opportunities. And then, of course, winning the turnover battle. This is going to be a huge part of this game. Both of these teams have issues turning the basketball over. So, of course, for Gonzaga, the big key here, taking care of the basketball. Alabama is a very, very good defensive team, and they are going to force turnovers. It is going to happen. They're going to get strips. They're going to steal passes. They're going to block shots. They're they're going to get turnovers. It, It will happen in this game. I can promise you that. What Gonzaga needs to absolutely avoid is giving away turnovers. No travels. No blatant offensive charges. I know the refs are very inconsistent about those, but don't put them in a position to make a bad call against you. No three seconds in the key, like no five seconds inbounding the ball, like the the kind of dribbling the ball off your foot, the kind of turnovers that are avoidable 
need to be avoided in this game because even if you avoid those, you're still going to cough up the ball a few times. Alabama's long and athletic and the top 15 team defensively for a reason. So I think for Gonzaga, the biggest thing is really avoiding the careless, stupid turnovers that we have seen all too often already this season. They have been tightened up in the last couple of games. This is the first big test for Gonzaga since that Baylor matchup. So we will see if they can kind of maintain some of that momentum we've seen in the last few games. But obviously we saw turnovers become a significant issue in the early part of the Washington game as well so it is far from over for Gonzaga and this is the kind of team that you just cannot afford to turn the ball over 18 20 times and expect to win and then of course sticking with the same key Gonzaga's got to force Alabama to turn it over this is a team that turns the ball over a lot 16 and a half times per game so for Gonzaga Timmy's activity on those hedges we've seen him be really good at getting out there and trying to poke the ball away a few steals that way would be fantastic uh, taking risks, but also being ready for, hey, if that risk doesn't work, we got to rotate quickly on defense. We can't let Mark Sears or Brandon Miller or any of the rest of Alabama shooters get open looks from three because those risks are, are quickly going to look bad if Alabama is able to respond to them. But I think playing just playing back and playing a little bit more timid on defense and letting Alabama get into their sets, letting Alabama run their offense is not a recipe for success either. So be aggressive, push them on defense, try to force turnovers, but understand the risks there and that the possibility that Alabama can make you pay if, if you don't make the, make your rotations well, if you don't do your rotations well uh, after uh, potentially missing out on some turnover situations. Next key for the Zags, uh, Julian Strother and Rasir Bolton need big games. Now, Strother, uh, we talked about his game, the struggles he had in the most recent game against Northern Illinois. He was battling the flu. Uh, that was part of the situation for him. He only played 17 minutes. Hunter Salas, of course, picked up a big part of that slack, 30 minutes. We hope Strother, of course, is 100% having the flu while playing basketball and also in the middle of finals week, very not ideal. Hopefully he is at 100% because the Zags just absolutely need him. They absolutely need his, his rebounding, his outside shooting, his ability to go to the basket, uh, his defensive ability. They need him. They need, need, need him. He hasn't been incredibly consistent this year. Even if you remove the Northern Illinois performance, it's still been an issue for Julian throughout the year. This is a game where they just need him to be the best version of Julian Strother that he can be. It is a, a, a huge part of what this team is doing right now and, and a tr critical to their success in this contest. And then similar with Rasir Bolton. Bolton has been tentative lately. Uh, maybe it's because he just hasn't quite figured out his role offensively. We also saw his fingers taped up. Perhaps that could impact his ability to shoot from long range. Um, and even when he we started to seem to get a little bit more more aggressive offensively, he looked better in the Northern Illinois game, at least at trying to get to the rim and hunting his own shot, they just weren't falling. Was, I think it was one for seven in that game. He just wasn't, the shot wasn't going down. I'd rather see Bolton attempting to take good shots, even if they're not falling, as opposed to the alternative where he's just kind of not on, not there offensively. He's not doing anything to really help the team uh, on that end of the floor. So I'd rather see him be more effective that way. Uh, I think that the Zags aren't going to win this game just on the back of Drew Timmy. Drew struggled against Alabama last year. It's not necessarily mean he's going to struggle again, but this team knows how to defend him. They know what to do to, to make him struggle. And if they do that again, Gonzaga needs, needs somebody else to step up. And fr frankly, more than just one somebody. They need somebody's to step up. The two most likely candidates on this roster to do so are Julian Strother and Rasir Bolton. If they both struggle, or even if one of them struggles, it's going to make the, uh, the path to a victory much more difficult for the Zags. 
And then finally, it's not just the starters. It's not just Bolton Strother and Anton Watson, or, excuse Andrew Timmy in this game. Uh, the Zags are going to get some bench production as well. And fortunately for the Zags, the bench production has been very good in the last couple of games. And so a continuation of that is going to be a huge factor for the Zags in this Alabama game on Saturday. Uh, Hunter Salas has been, has been outstanding. Uh, his defensive intensity has been incredible uh, in all of Gonzaga's last re- most recent games. His ability to get out in transition, usually because of his own defensive efforts, uh, has been fantastic. His shot has been confident. Uh, he's been taking outside shots. He's been trying to get to the rim, uh, you dribble drives, getting to the free throw line, converting there. Like He has done everything right for Gonzaga in the last couple of weeks, and he needs more playing time. And in this game against long, physical athletes, Hunter Salas and what he brings to this team, his length, his athleticism, his defensive intensity, all of that is going to be critical. I expect Hunter Salas to play 25-ish minutes in this one. Not exactly sure who who all he is going to take minutes from, probably a smattering of different guys. Of course, it depends on the health situation for Strother and even Bolton to that extent. Uh, and he could play in, in place of Nolan Hickman, depending on how comfortable Gonzaga is uh, running with a, a non-traditional point guard out there. But Salas needs to play. He needs to play 25 minutes. Uh, He's a huge part of what Gonzaga wants to do in this game. And then you have Ben Gregg. And Ben Gregg looked so, so good against Northern Illinois. Career high, 18 points. His floor spacing could be a really big hinge for Gonzaga in this one. Maybe he can pull Betty Ako away from the rim, pull Brandon Miller away from the rim, pull Noah Clowney, who's a good shot blocker, away from the rim a little bit. Uh, The big question for Ben is how he will do on the defensive end of the floor because as much as he can help Gonzaga offensively by by stretching the floor, by being an outside shooter, uh, and and the good decision-making we've seen from him lately offensively, if it doesn't matter if he's not helping this team defensively. We've seen some games where he's had some really good defensive plays. He handled Zach Eady pretty well, and that's your national player of the year front runner right there. Uh, but if he's struggling with Alabama's athleticism, if he's struggling to play on the defensive end of the floor, that's going to make it a little bit tougher for him to play as many minutes, certainly, as he did against Northern Illinois. But what he brings offensively is really important to this team. And of course, the transfers, Malachi Smith, Efton Reed. Not sure how much of a role we'll see from Efton Reed in this game. Obviously, he has the nice size and physicality you like against a team like this. He played against Alabama twice last year while at LSU. Didn't have particularly great results in those two contests, but at least some familiarity could be helpful uh, for him. And then Malachi Smith, another chance to do it against a top-tier opponent. He did it against Baylor. Other than that, he hasn't been a big factor in games against high-quality opponents. He has been very good in many of Gonzaga's other games uh, against teams that are not as good. So it'll be interesting to see another opportunity for Malachi to prove himself against a top I mean, a, a top-five team in the entire country in Alabama, a really, really good basketball team. If Malachi Smith can come out, give Gonzaga good outside shooting off the bench, make good decisions, play good defense, uh, that makes uh, that's, gives us a lot more confidence in what he can bring as the team gets into the conference season. Well, a high-priority target for the Gonzaga Bulldogs during the offseason recently put his name back in the transfer portal. Could Fardaz Amok once again become a Zag and play in the second half of the season? Before we get into that, though, I want to tell you all about Bet Online. College basketball and the NBA are back in action. College football is entering their bowl season, and the NFL remains in the thick of their regular season. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information from all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. BetOnline remains the best spot for all the latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all of the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. 
Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. They even have lines for coaching changes across every major sport, so even in the offseason, you can get your fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, segment three, still any patent, still locked on Zags. And we're switching away from previewing the Gonzaga-Alabama game. We'll have more about that contest on Friday's episode as well. But for now, I want to talk about a few pieces of news that hit our ears over the last couple of days for the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Number one, Texas Tech center Dawes Amac, a transfer from Utah Valley University. He has entered the transfer portal again in a surprise and kind of still developing story here uh, for college basketball. Amac did not play at Texas Tech. He, you, you may recall his name as a player who entered the transfer portal uh, during March Madness last year. He was a monster at Utah Valley during his final season with the Wolverines. I think he averaged 19 points, 14 rebounds, was a strong outside shooter, good shot blocker, great rebounder, good low post score, kind of brought a little bit of everything, instantly became one of, if not the most appealing big man in the NCAA transfer portal. He was connected to Gonzaga. He was interested in coming to Gonzaga. He had been on campus. This was at the time when Gonzaga was very uncertain about the career uh, or the decision that was going to be made by Drew Timmy. Ultimately, Timmy's indecision at the time likely contributed to AMAC deciding to go somewhere else. Gonzaga was in his top five. The top five at the time were Gonzaga, the University of Washington, Texas, Iowa, and of course, Texas Tech, where he ultimately decided to go. Uh, he was he suffered an injury in the preseason, uh, and the, they knew he was going to be out for a large chunk of the season. weren't expecting to get him back until the second half. Uh, the report that we've heard coming out recently is that Coach Mark Adams at Texas Tech has been kind of rushing him back. And it's kind of unclear what exactly that means. Adams has quotes saying that, hey, he just got his cast off. We'd love to have him back in early January. It didn't sound like he was making him come back, at least not publicly, but we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Obviously, there's some some situations there, some confusion. Uh, but AMAC entered the transfer portal, felt like he was being rushed back and didn't want to, uh, to stay in that situation through – I assume NCAA appeals process, uh, compliance office. I don't know all of the details here. sounds like he's going to be eligible to play right away. So that is dependent, of course, on his health, having not played at Texas Tech and all, assuming that he is in good academic standing and all of that stuff. He can transfer at the semester deadline, go to another school and begin enroll academically at the school. And then once he is healthy, depending on the new training staff, all of that stuff, he could in theory start playing right away. So this is a huge addition to transfer portal, a top 10 center, a a player that many believe is capable of being an all American, not, not this season, obviously because he missed half a year, but like has that level of talent for that player to just be on the market in the middle of the season is, is unprecedented. Obviously college basketball is becoming more of the wild, wild West in, in a lot of ways. This is a, a likely unique situation that I don't think is going to, to necessarily spiral into more situations like this. Uh, the injury, the, you know, whatever, whatever else is going on there is, is a bit hard to know entirely, but it is a weird situation. And one that creates a, a situation where a really good player is about to join a new team in the middle of the season so we'll see kind of what that looks like. To, to be clear here, I don't think Gonzaga is a major player here. I'd be surprised if they don't at least reach out 
because why would you not reach out to a guy who was very interested in coming to your program and who has that level of talent and potential, you know, contributions in him. I'm assuming AMAC doesn't, he wants to transfer somewhere where he can play for the rest of the season and play well enough down the stretch to potentially engage in the NBA draft. That's what he wants to do. He's not, this is not a transfer for 2023. This is a transfer for this season. And I think that that is why Gonzaga is not going to be appealing to him. He's not going to come to Gonzaga and, and play right away. He's not going to disrupt what they already have with Timmy, with Watson, with the emergence of Ben Gregg. I just don't see it being a natural fit right now. Uh, is is he talented enough to play on this Gonzaga team? Absolutely, absolutely, 100%. But it disrupts. It's not really Gonzaga's weakness right now either. It's, he doesn't fill. I, the rebounding would be nice. The shot blocking, yes, would be nice. I don't think he's an elite rim protector necessarily, uh, but he would he would – contribute for Gonzaga in that role, but he doesn't, that's not the role he wants. He doesn't want to fill Efton Reed's role. He doesn't want to fill Ben Gregg's role. Like he wants to be a featured player. And there are teams that might be interested in him in that role, including the university of Washington, which is where I've postulated that is a, is a very, very reasonable possible landing spot for AMAC this season. They were in his top five previously. We mentioned this last week on the podcast, but Washington lost Frank Kepnong, who was their backup center. And backup center, but he played like 20-plus minutes per night, nine points, five and a half rebounds before suffering a season-ending injury. So he is out for the year. Washington has been playing decent basketball, is still looking to contend in the Pac-12. Braxton Mia is their starting center. He is good, but AMAC, when healthy, is better. I think being able to bring AMAC in, have him start right away, for the University of Washington Huskies, push Mia into a backup role, gives them more offense, more floor spacing, more outside shooting, something they desperately need. I think this is a really obvious fit. Uh, Texas seems like less of an obvious fit because of how they've been playing. Of course, Texas has plenty of other stuff that they're worrying about right now with the Chris horrific, horrific Chris Beard situation that is happening right now. Uh, Iowa, I suppose, could be a factor here as well, of course. AMAC is not limited to the five teams he listed in his top five before uh, the start of the season as well. He could look at other spots, other teams that maybe have had some injuries and are are desperate for help in the front court. But to me, I think Washington is a really logical fit. Finally, I want to end the show talking briefly about a player Gonzaga is interested on the 2024 recruiting class. We'll talk about him more with Jason Jordan sometime next week. But the Zags are interested in five-star prospect Isaiah Elohim from Sierra Canyon in California, the same high school as Bronny James. He's a six foot five combo guard and he is ranked 13th in his class by 24 seven sports, 12th in their composite ranking. So we were talking about a top 15 kid in the class of 2024. Uh, the report that we saw is that he, he listed the schools that have contacted him the most times. That list of schools includes Gonzaga along with Arkansas, Baylor, Michigan, Michigan State, Kansas State, UCLA, and Texas. So there is a lot of really good basketball programs interested in adding Elohim to their rosters. It is understandable why as a top 15 player. Right now, the Zags have nobody committed in the class of 2024. To be clear, that's not something that I am overly concerned about. But it's nice to see that they are interested in top 15, top 20 type players in the program and that those players are at least acknowledging, hey, this is a school that has talked to me. This is a school that is interested in me. We have seen the Zags show interest in, in other players in this class. Zoom Diallo out of Tacoma. Carter Bryant uh, is another big one. Jeremiah Fears. Like, there's a lot of players that they have shown interest in from this class. And so it's not like they're they're – they're not attempting to recruit in this class, but it's good to see them connected to another player. A player we'll learn more about sometime next week and get a better sense of if, if Gonzaga is a legitimate player here uh, for, for a potentially really, really good player to add to the program in a couple of years. 
All right, that's going to do it for me today. More coming on Friday's episode. Of course, don't forget to check out the new Locked On College Basketball podcast with myself and my co-host Isaac Shade giving you updates around all of college basketball. You can find it wherever you get podcasts. You can also go find it on YouTube and hit that big red subscribe button if you haven't done so yet. Finally, I want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags.